Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Treason No Plot. I am your DM and host, as always, Adam Cookson, and I am joined with my uh, two returning co-hosts, James Bunkle and uh, Paul Flinders. Say hello. 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 Hi. They are reprising their roles as Rogar, the half-ghoul, half-dragonborn, half-paladin, half-sorcerer. They're a man of halves. I am. <laughs> half man. Half man, half machine. D&D playing machine. Half hero. <laughs> true, true hero, true hero. <laughs> and uh, Varys, our eldritch knight. And, well, you two just keep going from, like, out of the frying pan into the fire. I think this whole, uh, this whole little arc I've written up. Don't you think you agree? My characters certainly have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to segue this directly into our recap, I mean, last episode, you got attacked by ghosts, got um, struck by lightning, hit by hailstorms, you ran, you hid, you got attacked by a bunch of zombies who were... Uh, seemingly manning some sort of wagon and throwing bodies onto it, very similar to the singular creature you saw doing that previously. And, well, you killed them, at least, after running away from my uh, scary, scary ghost creature. Yeah. And you stole their wagon, and you started riding it around town like you owned the damn place. And you decided, once the uh, bolts of lightning stopped hitting the city, that... Perhaps the ghosts had gone and it was safe to go out exploring again. And you went on the trail of those ghouls because you wondered just just what killed them. As you started digging through the bodies and heading over to that side of town, you noticed lots of magical damage and maybe putting the clues together there that it was probably the ghosts of Ib that destroyed those, at least those particular ghouls. Perhaps they got caught in the crossfire between the ghosts and the ghostly defenders of the city. You kind of continued on into the... I'd say like the the richer, more elite part of town, and you found more dead ghouls and a trail that led into what looked like some sort of personal mausoleum, like a small tomb for one of these rich folks next to a bunch of larger houses that were in horrible states of decay, but still grand in their own way. You went downstairs, and as you were kind of climbing down there, you noticed it was covered in this black vegetative growth, like all these plant-like vines everywhere. You see these black petaled flowers and the whole place smelts of just rotting flesh. And you found a pile of more dead ghouls at the bottom. But you also found a set of tombs in a small chamber just directly in front of you that had a you know, little, little magical item in the center, a emerald disc. To the left, you saw another tomb that was completely covered in vines, like just impossible to try to pick apart and then to the right you saw a large stone door where that leads you don't know but you decided to go take the disc first and you got it congratulations and then the tombs exploded with black spores just filling the air flooding the whole chamber and you heard the moaning wailing sounds of zombies oh lovely it's kind of where we ended so you can imagine a few things are going to happen here. First of all, let's 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 start things simple. Let's let's roll some initiative, shall we? Yeah. So d twenty. Wow, I got a fifteen. Oh uh, yeah. 
Well done, you. Oh, I rolled a nine. <laughs> uh, I got a nine. Well, okay. Uh, my zombies also got a 15. However, I'm going to save doing a roll off. They have like a minus to dex. So you can go first, Varys. I'll, I'll give you that. Me, Bone, however, got a five. So he's going last. Question: Are there like a lot of zombies, or because we, we've only we've only heard them, we've not seen them? Oh yes. So that brings us on to a very important point, my dear Rogar. As these black spores fill the chamber, both of you are effectively blind. Oh, even with devil's sight, I'm blind. Oh yes, because this is not darkness. This is a literal flood of blackened spores that are just covering. It's almost more like an obscuring mist of spores. So you are both treated as blind for this encounter. Oh, joy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. We're going in, we're going in, we're, has it been over an hour since we fought the uh, zombies and killed them? Uh, you're asking for Eclipse? Yes, I am. Yes, I was pondering this. And um, I did say originally it took about three hours to get from the tavern to the center of the city, which is where you passed where these ghouls were. However, this time around, you had a wagon yes. with some skeletal horses. And though you took a little bit of time stopping, I, I will be kind and say that you still have Eclipse for this battle. But after that, it's gone. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That is fair. That's very fair. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> so I'm on uh, a wagon pulled by two skeletal horses. That goes pretty quick. I'll be, I'll be nice there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Varys, you are completely surrounded by black spores. You're fucking blind. And yeah. you hear zombies moaning. What, what, right. What's your plan? Right, well, I'm thinking, shit, I need to be able to see where I'm, what I'm doing. So I'm wondering if there's anything I can do about these spores. So I've got an idea. And I'm thinking, I'm going to cast a cantrip. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to cast a what, where was it now? A fireball. Mm -hmm. um, roughly, because obviously I'm blind. I'm not quite sure which way I'm going, but I'll just fire it in the general direction of where I think the mist sort of like is, sort of like the the where it's spewed from. Yeah, essentially. Okay. So are you? So so what's your intent? You're actually trying to hit what may be coming after you, or you're just trying to see? more than anything else. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to burn the spores away. Okay. Essentially. So, how do I roll this? Okay, well, I'll say if you're going to spend your action firing out the cantrip, you can do that. Yep. Um, so you, Varys, were in like the central chamber where all the dead ghouls were. Rogar had gone into the side chamber with the tombs and the desk and picked it up. So you're kind of firing down that small, very, very small adjoining corridor. It's like 10 feet. Uh, in the general direction of where Rogar has just been completely covered with spores and you hear zombie moaning. Um, to spend your action to fire off this cantrip, you watch as it burns through a few spores and briefly gives you sight of three zombies pulling themselves out of the tombs. Right, can I shout that to Rogar and say there's three of them? Yeah, free action to talk. Yep, so Rogar, there's three of them right next to you. Right next, oh shit, right. Um, okay. And can I? I'm, I'm out of range for melee, I'm assuming. Uh, unless you run in, I'd say, uh, yeah, you would have enough movement to get up to one of the zombies if you wanted. Yeah, did I, did, would the, where the spores were when I've casted that, when I've casted that cantrip, would they have been, would it have been filled in again with more spores or would it, would, would it burn them away completely? Uh, it would fill them in with more spores. Right, so it's all the temporary sort of thing. So mm. uh, I'll say for the sake of this, like you're um, because you've used this somewhat creatively. I'll say this this attack you can roll 
normally, not with disadvantage. Like, you shot the cantrip and it burned enough away to give you a good sight on one of the zombies, and you're just running to go stab it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do then. So, one regular attack. Yeah, so that would be... Where's my weapons? Weapon. Longsword. Attack. So, that would be 30 with four slashing. 13. Uh, you're lucky that zombies are really easy to hit. So that's uh, <laughs> four damage for my poor zombie. Yep. Sad times. You hear a, a, just a wet squelch of flesh as your sword just digs into this thing somewhere because the spores are already just covering things back up. You don't know you hit this thing. And you just hear a low moan, but otherwise... The zombie that I have designated Z1 is completely fine. Hey! <laughs> um, well, that's your turn, Varus. And you're yep. right next to Z1. Yeah. So, let's see. What are my zombies going to do? Well, thank you for coming close, my dear, dear Varus. Yeah. Because all three of these zombies are going to use their plague breath attack. Oh, wonderful. On both you and Rogar. So, um... If you'd be so kind, make me three constitution saving throws. Would I have a... Um, is that classed as a spell? Nope. So it's not a with advantage then, is it? Wait, as far as I'm aware. It's so not it's, a spell-like ability, it's just... It's, so, it's on both of us? Yep. It is a 15-foot cone. Crap. So, oh, is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, you stood in the middle of the room with the disc and the tombs are just around you. They're like 10 feet away from you each. Yeah, and I said I shouted at you. There was three of them right next okay. to you. Okay. So, so uh, three constitution saving throws. So oh. One. Nice. Okay, one success. Two. Two success. Three. Ah, and a failure. Yay! One fail. Okay. And uh, you, Rogar. Fail. One fail. Two. Two fails. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Right. Well then. Let's do the first lot of damage. So both of you take 12 points of necrotic damage. Eight. Okay. And Rogar, for your second failure, you also take an additional 11 points of necrotic damage. Uh, so 23. Okay. And sadly, because, well, because Rogar is what he is, nothing else happens but Varys. Oh, no. As this horrifying plague breath washes over you. It's basically just even more of these spores, but now forcibly attacking you, pouring into your mouth, your eyes, your ears, crawling and falling into your armor. All the joints are just getting clogged up by this plant-like material. You start to cough, and you start to not feel very well. I'm diseased, aren't I? You don't know. But that's the end of their turn, as they all stood there and breathed horrible breath on you. Oh, wonderful. So, Raga, you are up, my friend. So, I've got the Disc of Hades. You do? Um, so, I'm going to use it. Interesting. Because uh, it ho holds undead at bay, is that... Have I written that down correctly? Yeah, I can... Uh, give me just a second, I'll read it back out to you, just so... Anyone who missed last week is familiar with this very special little item. So the Disc of Hades, um, or Hades, I think is actually how you pronounce that. Uh, when you present it strongly to one or more undead creatures you see within 30 feet as an action, each creature must succeed in a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be held at bay. So, are you uh, presenting this uh, disc proud and strong? With my... I am. 
<laughs> in, in the name of in the name of the crawling chaos. Now, interestingly, it does say that you can see. You are blind. But I will say in this scenario, the sheer radiance of this thing is what was holding them at bay in the first place. Yeah. So let's uh let's do some wisdom saving throws. They've not got the best wisdom, I'll say that, so Z1 passed. Busted. Z2 failed. Z3 also failed. Nice. Ooh. So Z1, who is stood next to Varus, is fine. Z2 and 3 are held at bay. So, held at, held at bay, does that mean that they're, like, paralyzed, or does that mean they just can't attack me? Well, let's, uh, let's read what it says. So, they're held at bay and unable to attack you or your apparent allies for as long as you continue to present it as a bonus action on each of your turns. Nice. Okay. So that means so, you can attack as well if that's a bonus action. To do it, the initial one is an action. Yeah, is an action. Right. So the initial presentation is an action, but from now on, it'd be a bonus action. Right. That, okay. That said, this special protection will fail if you attack them. Okay. But will it? F oh, is it just if I attack them, or is it if anybody attacks them? Uh, it says any undead that succeeds on the saving throw or is attacked by a protected creature. So I would take you and your allies are protected. Okay, so basically, we can kill V1, but the other two, leave them alone. Basically. That seems to be the case, as long as you keep using your bonus action for it. Uh, and it also, it doesn't say that they get a save at the end of your, your turn or anything, so it just seems to be, as long as you keep holding it, they failed, they failed. Alright, so just, let's just get rid of this one, then. Okay, so Roga, that was, I'm guessing, is that your turn? You're running up to V1? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You got uh, V1, yeah. he's Z1. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Matt Hardy. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> uh. um, yes, I will. Um, I'll back Varys up uh, in attacking uh, as, he, as he's attacking uh, Z1. Okay. So uh, roll up and give me a swing with, I'd say, would you benefit from flanking if you're both blind? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't get a swing this turn anyway because I use my action to present. The oh, that's that's true. That's true. Okay. So, well. I'm more mean. I'm just, I'm literally backing him up. So, uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, Meatbone can still hopefully get an attack. Okay, so you run up there and you're just holding this emerald glowing disc aloft, and you're feeling very, very lucky that you figured out what it was, as it's this green radiance is just filling the room like an aura and. You can hear the undead in the background are just moaning, but they can't get any closer. They don't even seem to be able to leave their tombs because they didn't leave them last turn. They just sat up and breathed plague horribleness on you all. <laughs> but uh, yes, the disc is working at least on two of them. This last one doesn't seem to like the disc, but is still looking very vicious. And that's your turn. So, my poor meat bone. Ooh, poor meat bone. I guess, I guess he should run in. Um, so, Meatbone, attack with disadvantage. He missed horribly. Oh dear. Poor Meat. Uh, he comes in and like, just swings blindly at this zombie and it does nothing. Yeah. Oh, poo. It means we're back up to Varus. Yep. Right. Um, I'm trying to wonder what I'm going to do because there's not much I can really do. I'm just going to. How am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to go cast my cantrip again. Okay. But this time I'm going to aim it at the um, at the zombie that Z1. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm just going to attack it. I'm just going to straight up attack that one with the, with the uh, fireball. Okay, that's with disadvantage. Yep. So cast spell. So yeah. And again, disadvantage. Disadvantage. How do I do disadvantage on the spell? Just roll it again. Yep. Okay. Okay. There you go. How'd you get a twenty-three twice? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll try again. There you go. Mm, damn cheaty rolls. Somehow you cheat me. <laughs> Fine. You hit for eleven fire damage. Hey. <laughs> So your so, yes. fireball uh, launches out of your hand and again just kind of very, very briefly burns through some of the spores and hits this thing in the chest. And it's not happy. It kind of like has to badly bat away some of it. But as it's lit up right in your face, you get a good look at this thing and it is covered in these mold-like spores. And you see even its breath is still exhaling more spores. Like this creature is not like any sort of zombie you've heard of. It's almost like the spores themselves have zombified it. It's more, it's almost more plant than undead at this point. Mm. But uh, you did some damage. Yeah, and I got to attack again. Now, I just debate whether to go two-handed with my longsword. Would that mean I'd have to drop my shield? Yes. Yeah, right. Um, that would drop my AC as well. Um, no, I'll stick to the... Um, one-handed. So, there you go. So, that would be... Ooh, 21 with 10 slashing. Because it's a crit. Natural 20? Is it? Um, well, you're with disadvantage, though, so... Yeah. So, sadly, no crit. But 21 still hits 10 more damage. Yeah. Fast yeah. as the pair of you hurting my zombies. <laughs> um, right. Zombies. Well, first off, I'm going to roll to see if they get their plague breath back. Z1, failed. No, none of them dead. Sucks. Awesomes. Fine. No plague breath. I am just sad. Oh well. He's going to try slam his horrible, ghastly, mold-covered hand into your face. Take this, Varus. Oh. <laughs> uh, that would be a 23 to hit. Is I will use shield. So that's a... Um, yes, I'm definitely using shield. So that would take my AC up to 24. Ah, you bastard. So... <laughs> As this thing tries to slam straight into your face, you just manage to catch his hand breaking through some of the spores, and you very just quickly drop him down, cast shield, and then oh. arcane blue energy flashes up and deflects it. And yes. he's going for his second attack. And the shield that's miss. Oh, sad times for poor Z1. Get that moldy hand away from me, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rogar. Yep, I am going to take an attack with disadvantage at Z1. Uh, still a 28 with 14 slash. God damn you. <laughs> Rolling well. That one that one definitely hurt it. You heard this just horrible moan as Eclipse tears through just old, decayed, rotten flesh. And even more spores just burst from the open wound. But this thing is starting to uh, starting to feel the pain. Uh, and I'll, I'll go again. Um, with, uh, oh, yes, I'll go again. Disadvantage. That's uh, 27 with 18. Can you not roll under a 17 with Eclipse? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, at the moment, no. <laughs> ah, damn you. Yeah, that second slash just tears off more of this creature's rotted body, and you hear some of like, the big, moldy pustules explode, and again, you just get a face full of black spores all over your armor. It's just disgusting. But he is very hurt. 
and then as my bonus action I'll hold up the emerald plate again and uh, make sure that they can uh, they clearly know I have it mm. you hear the two other zombies just sort of moaning in the background and they're, they're not happy so <sighs> me bone can you do for me probably not a lot and Meatbone again tries to go in with his claws, but misses. He's not having a good time with all, all this blindness going about. And, well, that brings us back to Varus. It certainly does. So, yeah, seeing as how much they, that seems to work, so this seems to be working well, Rogar, let's hit it again. So, I'm going to hit, I'm going, I, to be a bit repetitive, I'm going to cast another cantrip. Mm -hmm. Again, it is going to be Firebolt straight back at it. Okay. Cast the spell. It's constantly doing 23s. I don't know if that's right or not. Just another one. There you go. That's something's not right somewhere. Hmm. Let me look at your character sheet very quickly. Yeah, go for it. Something's not right there. Mm, no, seems fine. That's just a weird. You're just, you're just being weirdly lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so are we are we taking the first one then? Yeah, first one. Well, yep. So seven more points of fire damage. God damn it. Yep. So I hit it with seven, and then I will just slam it again with my. Um, Longsword. Alright, go for it. 23 <laughs> with 7 slashing. What the hell? Jesus. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't like to claim something's up with roll 20, but I, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've rolled like shit for the whole campaign, and all of a sudden, now it's coming up, Millhouse. <laughs> take take your small win over my zombie old man, Barris. <laughs> He, 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 he reaches into his pocket and throws his Werther's originals at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Varus, you just go at this thing with a flurry of magic and steel, and it, it is hurting. You feel more of its body just starts to fall away. This thing is a rotten mess at this point. It's barely holding on, but it's got that, it's got that natural undead resilience. So even though its body looks ruined, it's still very deadly and it is its turn and it's gonna attack you doesn't like me uh first attack is definitely a miss uh, second attack i think is also a miss yep it's two misses oh i'm also gonna roll for the others okay okay one of them got their plague breath back but it can't use it you're welcome thank you rogar you're a hero <laughs> not impressed <laughs> fine Rogar, do what you do. Uh, and what Rogar does is uh, hit things really hard. So I'm going to take another swing at Z1. Uh, that's a 14 with 16. Ooh, uh, 14 yeah. hits. And in theory, that's enough to kill him. But I need to make a roll just to check. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't die normally. Yes, uh, Rogar has had experience with zombies in the past. A long, long time ago. Pre-bard. Yes, it was. Okay, that is enough to cut straight through this creature's head. But you know what? He's got a parting gift for you both. So both of you, make me a constitution saving throw. Oh, and shit. I'll make one for Meatbone. Oh, wow. <laughs> An eight. Twelve. Meatbone has surprisingly good constitution. And Rogar, that's a 13, no? Because of your aura? Oh, yes, it is a 13, yes. And that's important because it's a DC 13. Oh, <laughs> And Meatbone also passed with a 15. I'm not... Rolling well for attacks, not for saves. 
Uh, well then, you're going to take some damage as this thing's head drops to the ground and its body explodes in even more of these horrible blackened spores as they just wash over you. And you take five more points of necrotic damage. Oh, that's not too bad. And you feel horribly sick. Oh, great. As this nasty icor is just dripping off your armor. It's in your hair, it's in your face, in your mouth, in your eyes. You just feel awful. You're just coughing up spores yourself at this point. But uh, that's Z1 dead. And just to lay the land here for you, Rogar, I assume you're raising your disc once more? Uh, Yes, I am. Okay, so you've got these two zombies held at bay. In the other room I described earlier, there was two other chambers, one of which has a massive stone door and the other is just completely covered in vines. And you got two zombies staring at you, who can't do a lot right now, but if you attack them, that uh, protection fades. So as we go around to Meatbone's turn, he's going to kind of look to you guys and go, what do we do? As he's starting to try bat these spores out of his face so he can see properly, but he's not having a good time down here. Varys coughs up and says, if they're doing... (coughs) (coughs) If they're not not (coughs) attacking us, maybe we should... Just maybe we should just leave them be for a minute. See what's up this way. <coughs> Rogar is inclined to agree. I think I have these things under control. So, uh, a door. Varys points over. Obviously, you know, coughing, coughing and spluttering. But he points over to where I saw the door. And it's yeah. like he's covered. He's got like these vines in front of it. So maybe we could, it, possibly we could cut through. They say, Rogar, if you keep hold keep that thing up. I'll, I'll volunteer to cut through the vines. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. So, do I need to make a roll for that, Cookson, or...? Well, if you're going to leave and go to the big stone door, the big stone door has only got, like, a few vines on it. It's the other chamber that's completely covered. But right. if you're going to try open the door, you're going to have to make me an athletic saving throw. Or you can try to break it down. It's up to you. I'll try an athletics. Yeah, go for that athletics skill am, check. Because I am proficient in that. Hmm. 21. Ooh, 21. Old man Varys with that old man strength. <laughs> you start, uh, you put your shoulder against this door and you start pushing just with all your might. Because it is big, it's heavy, and it hasn't moved in a hell of a long time. Though it does eventually start to give way. You notice there's scratches on the floor, so maybe, maybe it did move recently. As it gives way and swings open, and you see a staircase leading upstairs. A rather nice looking staircase. Wooden, protected from the elements, leading up somewhere that you don't know. Right, would it be, I look at Rogar and go, do we shut this behind us and then let the zombies just leave and beat a rock? Um, yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be relatively easy to shut, but I don't know. I suppose it's worth a shot, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, we, 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 we shut the door to keep the zombies at bay. Okay, so Rogar, you're kind of running backwards towards the door, holding up this. Uh, disc of Hidas as its greenish aura is just just about keeping these zombies at bay and then you just bolt for the door and I would say the pair of you both being uh, quite strong quite easily just shut this door between you and slam it closed as you do it takes a few moments but you start hearing scratching at the door as the uh, disc is no longer in sight but they don't seem to be able to push it open Um, sounds good so uh, can we see now uh, yes, out here, like, some of the spores started to, like, just float through, but most of it is gone. 
and you can look up to, as I say, a very nice-looking wooden stairwell that leads up to another door in the distance. Right. But this one just seems to be a regular wooden door. Right, I was, I was just about to ask. Um, can can take I... a perception check on the stairs? What, checking for traps? Yes. Yeah, go for it. it just... I will aid. Yes, so just perception, yeah. Mm-hmm. A 20. A 20. Um, looking around... You do not see any traps. Yay! Oh, so Varys will walk up the stairs and seeing as what we've just come up against and obviously where it's just led from, can I make a perception check listening through the door to see if I can hear anything on the other side? Yeah, go for it. Put your, put your ear to the keyhole. Yeah. Would that be a 22 or a 14? It's 22. 22. Oh, boom, there you go, 22. Yeah, 22. Um, you put your ear to the keyhole and with a 22... You hear faint breathing. Right, I relay that to Rogo, and it's like I can hear somebody breathing. It's faint. Well, behind this, do- the I can't, can I tell how far away from the door they are, or is it just I can just hear the breathing? Yeah, you couldn't really tell. Right, they didn't uh, sound like right up against the door. It was very really like <sighs> like it was a little bit of distance to there. Right, um, I would have boot the door. Right, I'll stab the side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to kick the door. <laughs> All right, do me an athletics. Uh, okay. Rogar's going Leroy Jenkins here. Yeah. A 22. <laughs> it splinters it. <laughs> 22, yeah, okay. With your uh, big armored boot, you kick this door in half and send splinters of wood skittering across the ground. And you see behind it, what you're now realizing is probably one of the big, fancy uh, noble houses as you are led into a large, open, almost like entrance hallway-style chamber with some uh, stairs going up, some doors leading off to other areas of the house. And you feel a little bit lucky, Rogar, because as you boot through the door, you notice a magical-looking sigil on the floor that you have that slight moment where your heart stops and realize you step right into a trap, except it's not glowing. It seems to have already been expended. And as you look around the room, you see, you see a ghoul held suspended in the air about 30 feet up. He currently has what looks like metallic chains wrapped around his arms and feet, kind of holding him up like horizontally. So he's just sort of hanging. He at the moment seems to be unconscious, but from very light ragged breathing he is alive and he is armored armed wearing a slightly fancy black metal helm with a bit of a um, feathering at the top so he definitely clears to seems to have nicer things on him than some of the other ghouls that you'd seen that were armored before who looked like common soldiers hmm. Varys turns to Meatbone and goes is this one of the guys from the Legion? Uh, Meatbone looks up at him and goes Oh, this this is not just someone from the Legion. This this man looks like a Ravager. A Ravager? Yes. They lead large detachments from the Legion forces. So, he's... Are, are we getting him down or not? <laughs> Meatbone kind of looks and goes, well, if he's only ghoul we have seen alive, would yeah, be worth... 
And Varys looks at him and goes, nodding and goes, yeah, we need to speak to him, see what, see what he knows, see what he's seen. Okay, so um, you said that he was suspended with metallic chains. Mm-hmm. So it's a case of, like, basically breaking him out of those chains. Yeah, you'd probably have to either hit at them from range or try to go upstairs and see where they connect to the ceiling. Right. Okay. Um, I know, probably a long shot, but, um, but um, no, no, what I was thinking is, um, could I, like, you remember when we, uh, we, 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 were te- we had the test with the, the, the guy with the thing in his chest and the guy who was on top of the spire? Yes. And I climbed up the spire just basically because I'm strong as sin. Mm-hmm. Could I just climb up the wall and try and break the chains? Uh, you could climb up the wall, but you notice like the chains are connected to like the ceiling, so it would be a very... You'd have to sort of... You could probably get to one of them from where you are. One of them's not too far from the wall, but the others are like in the middle of this large entranceway. Mm-hmm. So you could okay. probably cut one down like that, yeah. How many chains are there? Four. Right, so I'm assuming it's too, too high and too low. No, 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 he's suspended from the ceiling, so it's two oh, on right. his legs, two on his arms. Oh, yeah, from yeah. the corners, right. Yeah, basically. Right. Okay, so we've got to go upstairs then. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go up the stairs and see what, what we can see, how they're attached. Check for, check for traps. Yep. <laughs> go for it. So, uh, I will, I will aid, with, I'll aid you with that. All right, okay. 14. Uh, 14? You don't seem to see anything as you're making your way up the, the large stairs to the second floor landing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, are we seeing anything in these rooms that might be, like, loot? Uh, at the moment, you've not really gone into any of the rooms, so All right, okay. the doors are shut. I mean, you can start trying to explore if uh, you want to do that after this, but uh, I will yeah. fill you in then. Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get this guy down first, and we'll question him first, and then we'll see what's what. Okay. I think. Um... Now we're closer. Can we make a perception on the how they're connected to the walls, or ah, uh, you can see it. They just, um, apart from the fact they seem to have been magically activated, they seem to be just bolted to the ceiling. You're guessing that the sigil down below probably triggers them to briefly animate, and then they wrap around the intruder and suspend them for someone else to deal with later. But these someone else's are all dead, so this man has just been left here. Right. Um... Rogar, um, yeah. do you think we should just smash these down, or do you think? Well, I think when we get when we get to them, we can break them. But I'd like to, you know, I don't want him to fall flat on his face. Ideally, I'd like what? to, you know, to break his legs out first or something. Mm. Well, I'm thinking if we did try and smash one, the other three would keep him suspended, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm quite happy to do that, you know. And like I say, if we if we break the two attached to his feet first, then he'll just be kind of, oh crap! Then he might just smash into the wall. Mm. <laughs> oh wait, he's going to smash into the wall. However, we do this. Unless someone's, um, um, how long are the? Um, it just depends on how long the get chains are, because we could actually have so. Say for example, I could get my crossbow, yeah. attack the attack the joint on the on the wall with the crossbow. And you'd be down there to catch him as he swings down, but it all depends on how how long the chains are and if you'd be able to reach. Um, Me, Bongo, looks at you too and goes, I will stay downstairs to catch him if you don't. If you two try to break them from above, maybe? Yeah, uh, Meatbone's a, cool, me, me a good little boy. Meatbone will catch him, that's fine. Um, yeah, okay, Meat, you, uh, you do that. Um, and uh, we'll... 
yeah, you do that, and then we will um, like go to either side basically and try and create these chains. Yeah, we sh- yeah we can do that. Are you both gonna like shoot at it with ranged weapons? I don't know what Rogar's carrying. You got a crossbow somewhere? No, no, no. I don't have any ranged weapons. I was more thinking maybe I could blow it with a cantrip. Uh, okay, yeah, fair enough. I'd, I'd accept that. Yeah, I'll I'll use I'll use my crossbow. Okay, I, I mean, as you're going around and getting a good look at them, you see, I mean, these this has been here a goddamn long time and it hasn't been maintained. I mean, the magic lasted, but the chains are regular chains, so they're old, they're rusted, they're barely hanging on. So, with a a quick couple of shots from the pair of you, so you're are you going with like a firebolt or something, Rogar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd roll a firebolt. Okay, and Varys, you're just going to try shoot them with a crossbow to get them break yeah. them apart. Yeah, do I need to make a roll? Uh, no, I'd say between the pair of you, you would be able to knock this down eventually. Okay. So you both take your shots, and um, the ghoul drops, and you just watch as Meatbone... I'm going to roll for Meatbone to see how well he catches him. <laughs> well, you know what? Much. <laughs> uh, he, he did okay. Like Meatbone is at least a little bit strong. <laughs> and you got, a, you got a 15, so... No, I'll bad. say he catches him not great, like he almost falls and stumbles a little bit because this guy's like armored and a bit heavier than than uh, Meatbone is. But uh, he holds on reasonably well and kind of directs him to the ground. Let's say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so uh, we still got two attached, doesn't he? Then so we would we break the other two then, Rogar? Oh, no, I assumed no, no, you were you we were attacking break... all of them. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, okay, no worries then. You got two attacks around, so yeah, yeah, fair enough then. So cool. um, yeah. Cool. So we'll head back downstairs. So um, I'm guessing he woke up when he fell. Uh, do me a medicine check. Ooh. Can I aid with that? Uh, I'd say yeah. You could both uh, look him over, try to give some uh, field medic experience. Yeah. Cool. A seven! Seven. Um, he's not conscious. You're not really certain why. I mean, you don't know how long this guy's been here, what damage he's taken. Um, can I cast Mage Hand and slap him with it? I mean, you can. I'm going to see if that wakes him up. Okay. Hear a, a dull thud as your tiny five-pound mage hand kind of slaps against the side of his head. Doesn't do a lot. <laughs> I just look at Rogar and goes, you absolute pillock. <laughs> you, you might need medical assistance, and I get out my ketones ointment and apply. Ah, go on then. Roll your healing. Yep. Just, so 2d8 plus 2. That would be nine plus the two, so that'd be eleven hit points. Plus, if he's plus if he's diseased or poisoned, that cures that as well. Ah, very nice. So eleven hit points. As you apply that, you watch as his eyes do start to open, and he looks very goddamn confused, staring up at the three of you. <laughs> you see, like he starts to weakly reach for his weapon. Varys stands on his weapons a lot. We're not a threat. You stand. You realize now, as he's kind of like you're getting a good look at him, he's actually holding a glaive strapped to his back. So he was trying to reach for it, but it wasn't going to work very well. And you like stand on the end of the, the actual blade part of it, and mm-hmm. he notices um, Meatbone as a fellow ghoul and looks a little confused and goes, "Who are you three? Oh, um, yeah, probably should do uh, introductions. I am Rogo McLeod, the prophet of the crawling chaos, the ghoulborn." Some kind of abomination, not too sure, but pretty sure you'll like me. Uh, this is Meat, my good friend. We make up the team Bonar. And uh, 
This is Varys, our very new member, who's uh, currently uh, working his way up the ranks to, uh, you know, prove that he is a true hero. I just look at Rogar and say, "You cheeky cunt." My name, is <laughs> my name is my name is Varys Greenwood, formerly the uh, founder of Va- Sword of Varadin. Now I am Meatbone. We <laughs> saved you. <laughs> <laughs> he looks between the back and forth between the three of you, and he seems wary, but he also looks dehydrated, gaunt. Like the healing, the magical healing has brought him back to consciousness, but he doesn't look well from however long he's just been hanging here. Like he starts I, ru- I have a water skin on in my thing, so I would pass him the water skin if you say you say you need you need a drink. Okay. You see he like he's he's like he's rubbing where the uh the chains were wrapped around his arms trying to get some feeling back and he takes the water skin and drinks quite deeply from it. Like he drinks nearly the entire thing and he goes mm-hmm. <sighs> Thank you. Well I suppose I should introduce myself as well. I am Ravager Eroch of the Fifth Legion. How do you do? Um, can, can you recall why you you got yourself in the situation you were in? He looks back towards the door where you two came from. We were attacked, hounded through the city. We fled into the tomb to try to retaliate. My men were slaughtered by those... Creatures, those apparitions. I managed to make it through the door and close it behind me. But the creature just came straight through it. I ran up the stairs. And the next thing I know, I was hanging from the ceiling. But the creature didn't follow me. Seems whatever keeps it here had run out for the time being. We'd watched those things appear and disappear. Assume they only had a limited time span. To attack the city over and over. I guess I... <sighs> I lucked out, but I was stuck. I couldn't do anything. Eventually, eventually, I just passed out from hunger. You do see uh, Rogar and Meatbone both notices. He is eyeing Varys a little bit hungrily, despite his thanks for the water skin. What's this, uh, buddy? Um, do you like sushi? Uh, it's not my favorite, but it'll do in a pinch. And I'm going to pull out, well, let's go with 10 pounds of tail meat. <laughs> you just ten drop a of, ten pounds of knock. <laughs> yes, you, just, you drop ten pounds of red scaled tail in front of him. He's like, oh, I suppose if you're traveling with one of us, that's not too much of a surprise. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> I'm not just traveling with one of you. I'm, uh, I'm well. I assume some way affiliated, and I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll take my helmet off because I assume I look a bit like them, but kind of not. Yeah, you've got kind of an interesting look. Cause like you've still got your dragonborn features, but you're missing scales. Like you're kind of almost a little bit decayed in places, and you've got that more of a grayish tone to your skin nowadays. It it definitely looks like someone who's teetering towards Gouldom in a certain way. And he kind of he gives you a bit of an eye over and goes, "I see. Well, you have my thanks." And he starts digging into uh, the tail meat. He feels yeah. a fair bit better after that. This is the Varys, first time Varys has seen him without his helmet, isn't it? Uh, properly, yes. He's been lifting his face face plate every so often. And you saw it, I think, initially when you uh, washed up on the shore, but you weren't really with it at that point. Oh, yeah. So you're getting to see his, uh, his weird third eye and everything. Yeah, like, Whoa, whoa what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, compliments of uh, the crawling chaos, and I wink my third eye at him. And he just gets um, a sh- like a shudder down his like back. You know, you just got you see he's like, Ugh. and he's like, okay. I, I, I just think to myself privately, well, he's, at least he's not killed me yet. <laughs> and I, I just think. Right, right. As long I, 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 I just like sort of tap his helmet. But we've, I'm assuming he's got his helmet in his hand. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I I've taken say, it off. Yeah, I just, um, I just tap his helmet and go. Probably best keeping that on. <laughs> As you wish. <laughs> uh, I'll put my helmet back on. Iraq um, wipes a bit of blood from his mouth from uh, feasting on the tail and looks at you both and goes, "I don't hold out much hope for this, but." Have you found any other ghouls? Any of my men? Um, we have I, had... I, I, I say I'll, I'll point at, um, at Meatbone and go, were they wearing that armour? He nods. Um, we've not seen any alive. We've seen lots and lots of dead, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, uh, I'll, I'll agree. <sighs> I suppose I knew that when no one came after me, but it's disheartening to hear. It means... <sighs> It means my failure here was absolute. He kind of pushes himself up to his feet and picks up his glaive and puts it on his back. I'm just, I, just, I just look at him and say, not all is lost. At least you know this place isn't suitable to settle. You, you search and go elsewhere, and these guys, you can go back now and tell everybody that you, we, you need to find somewhere else to settle. Your search can go on. He kind of laughs. He's got this very sort of gravelly graveyard laugh and it's like <laughs> I can't go back not now I wanted to lead this expedition I had a full detachment from the legion and now they're all dead in their eyes I'll be a failure I'll be stripped of my rank kicked out of our forces the empire won't look kindly on this you don't return from such failures you go and you die well there's no, there's, there's no reason to think that all is lost right this second. Um, you know, we've not, we've not been through the whole city and everything, and plus there was like another little settlement or encampment outside of the city. So you know, maybe that was you guys, but we've not been there yet, so we don't know. Yeah, we've not been everywhere yet. There might be other guys that, like yourself, have fell into traps similar to this one. Mm. He shakes his head. You get the impression he's really not holding out much hope because he's seen a lot of his men just die in this city. And um, he does look at you and goes, we didn't make any camp outside the city. And when one of my men tried to flee, he just wasted away and fell over dead. I don't think that's us outside at the very least. Yeah, Rogar. Well, sort of meth. Like Rogar. uh, Do we... This is not out loud, but I'm just thinking, like, do we tell him about our intention of trying to get the idol back. Um, might as well ask him if he's seen something like that. Because um, he's obviously been here a lot longer than we have, you know. And I suppose if we get it back, there's every chance that we can, uh, you know, I suppose, I don't want to say save the city, but we can give give him the city at least. And so what are you saying to him? Uh, we'll just let him know that um, we'll just... We'll say I'll um, I'll say right. Well, you've also been here for a while. I understand. You know, you're you're a bit upset, but let's not lose hope. Like Varys says, there could be many more just like you. Um, you know, and we're here in particular. We're looking for you know one of Meat's friends. 
Um, there's every chance that you might know him. Um, but we're also looking for um, a statue, like a like a roughly made, you know, kind of green looking. I don't suppose you've seen anything like that around. Uh, he thinks for a moment, then shakes his head and goes, "I didn't receive any reports of a, of a statue like that." But a lot of my scouts never returned as they were exploring the city. We never got to check out the palace. We raided some of the shops, met some undead constructs, but we were able to take them out. At least the ones during the daytime. Some of my men reported seeing some creature at night that killed off a number of our people. I never saw that one myself, though. Oh, uh, Barris, I think that's what you were talking about the other day, maybe. Yeah, um, was he pulling a carriage or anything? Or was a, did he have like a horse and carriage? Yes, that's what my men said. And the ones I'd seen during the day were also using undead drawn carriages. They were gathering remains. We saw a few of them trying to take away our own dead. We put a stop to that where we could. Interesting. So any idea where they were going, though? Best guess. We thought perhaps the palace, but we could never get close enough. Right. Um, well, I'm thinking, because we were, you know, we, we were thinking about possibly heading towards the, uh, the palace ourselves. Um, so what I'm thinking is, uh, how about we have a quick look around, look see around here. Um, I'm assuming it's getting quite late. Yeah, I think, I'm thinking rest once we're secured. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking we secure this place. We have a bit of a gander around here because it seems like quite a grand place. Uh, you know, we get some rest and then in the morning we head out to the palace itself because kings are greedy motherfuckers. So there's every chance that he's stolen it for himself. Absolutely. Um, you know, or like, because it went missing so, so long ago. There's every chance that, you know, one of them's taken it, you know, and to present at this, you know, this thousandth celebration, you know, this big deal type of thing. You know, the kings are a bit like that, aren't they? It all about them, so you know, just 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 an idea, anyway. Yeah, Varys is nodding. I suppose it's up to the guy. <laughs> um, so you got so you're asking whether he wants to kind of regroup here a little bit, then go out looking yeah, towards yeah. the palace. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he'll uh nod along with them and goes, I could definitely do with some actual rest without all the blood running to my head. Mm-hmm. Nothing's yeah. come for me in this building yet, so I have to assume. It's relatively abandoned. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we, what we need to do is we, we need to sweep just to double check each room, make sure there's nothing here that could potentially harm us, and then... Yeah, I up. agree. Yeah, I agree. Hold up. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't see the... If the ghosts come back, I don't see them coming in, in, coming in here, uh, at least. So we could outwait. We could wait them out as well. Touch wood. Um, mm. Rogar reaches out and touches some wooden door or whatever. Um, right, Varys looks at his hands and goes, "Yeah, we're not confronting them." Um, and then we will, um, yeah. So we'll we'll start like scouting out the rooms, just double check there's nothing hanging around, like Mister Huggy Stabby. Mm. So um, is it the layout of the room? Is it like sort of like an entrance way? You can see both floors. Yeah. Right. So can I make a perception check to see how many? Well, can I count how many rooms I can see? Uh, from upstairs, you can see there's at least two doors leading from the upstairs. Downstairs, there's three doors that head off in different directions, one of which was the one you came through from the tomb. Right, so what I would suggest we do is we start from the ground up. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
But I'll do. I'll um. I'll go through it like this. I want uh, one of you make me a perception check, which is going to be uh, to check something as you go through these rooms. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me yeah. to do that? Uh, I'll I'll do it. I assume it's right. is it is it based on sight? Yes. So I'll get advantage if it's on sight. I'll open. I'll go for it then. Uh, a twenty. Yeah. Okay. Um, as you're exploring out the bottom area of the house, you find that a lot of the houses in complete ruins, like rooms have been collapsed from some of those black vines have actually broken through the floor in places. It's nowhere near as bad up here as it was down there. But you also see parts of the the walls have disappeared from that aura of Mokrog oh, yeah. that seems to be undoing the city to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but what you do find as you're going through, you come across a study that is half intact, and you find a... Um, small storage cabinet. Ooh. And with a 20, you realize that it has a um, small needle on the handle that if you hadn't have noticed it, would have, uh, well, probably not done you any good. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so can you disarm that? I'd say because of, of the nature of being a needle, knowing that it's there, you can open it without, uh, with, a, with care and caution. Okay. Uh, I'll open it then with care and caution. Hmm. Uh, Oh, inside there, you find a few things. Ooh. Um, so, you find, neatly arranged, two potions that to you, Rogar, look very much like potions of greater healing. Ooh. You find a slightly fancier bottle that you take to be one potion of superior healing. Okay. <laughs> and you see one small vial of what looks like some sort of oil. And you see a wand that has been neatly leaned against the side. Ooh, a wand. wand. Can I uh, can I take a look at uh, a closer look at the wand? Yeah, do me a do me an arcana, because this is not a spell you have, as far as I'm aware. A natural twenty. Boom. Twenty-five. Cool. Well, with a twenty-five, that does beat the DC, and giving it a bit of a look over you realize that it is a wand of Featherfall. So uh, to uh, give you what this thing does, it has three charges, and expending one charge as an action lets you cast Featherfall on yourself. You get 1d3 expended charges daily at dawn. Nice. Yeah, that that is pretty cool. It means potentially could go down that well. Yeah. Well, well. Well, well. Uh, uh, well, three of us can. <laughs> uh, no, all right, that's pretty. That's that's good. That's good. That's good. That might prove quite useful, actually. Um, excellent. So uh, I'll I'll let Varys know anyway that what I've got. Um, nice. And yeah, um, I assume once we've checked all the rooms, we're just going to find which one is like the most intact and kind of try and block that up a bit. Are you going to look at the oil as well? Uh, yeah, go on. I'll do one. I'll do. I'll do a check on the oil as well. Mm-hmm. So there's an, another arcana on that. Mm-hmm. Seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, you take a good look at this one, and as you're kind of holding it up to the light, you see little silver shards are actually floating in the oil, and something that you've heard of before. It's actually it's very rare. It is a oil of sharpness. Ooh. So how this works? The oil can coat one slashing or piercing weapon, or up to five pieces of slashing or piercing ammunition. Applying the oil will take one minute, 
and then for one hour, the coated item is is considered magical and has a plus three bonus to both attack and damage rolls. Nice. Holy sh! Wow. That's well <laughs> good. That's 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 yeah. A plus three to damage and attack rolls. Mm. Wow. Ro- Rogar's hit jackpot here. Imagine taking every swing with a plus thirteen. <laughs> Or you could give it to Varys. <laughs> um, do you, you realise that if you put it on a magical weapon, it doesn't stack? Like, if you have a magical plus one sword, it becomes a plus three sword. Oh, my. This was a plus two. Yeah, so Eclipse would become plus three to both attack, and, attack rolls and damage. Uh, rather than plus two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep hold of it, though. I'll keep hold of it. <laughs> I can always toss it over in battle if need be. Um, well, it takes a minute to apply. Yeah, well, okay then, maybe not. Um, <laughs> R- R- Rogar's well aware of the nightmares that have planned. Mm. So Rogar is choosing to keep hold of the magic thing that makes your non-magical weapon magical. Because, you know, nightmares and shit. Yeah, true. <laughs> Starspawn! Uh, Starspawn! <laughs> <laughs> so... Did we did we check out the other room on the on the ground floor? Yeah, so yeah. that was just for the that perception check was just for this. What else you find on the ground floor as you're kind of walking through the rooms? Um you find a rather interesting room that you'd guess was at one point a kitchen of some sort. It's quite a large kitchen. You realize these people were probably very rich. And you see a room with a closed door that with has a small bit of glass in it that's you as a more modern day people would recognize as some sort of large walk-in freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look through the window, you see one of those shadowy spirits just sort of stood there. And on the floor of the freezer, you can see a rather more intact body than you've seen up to now. It looks almost mummified from the preservative powers of the cold Ooh, fridge. Now then, does Rogar, is Rogar interested in that? Well, Ro- Rogar is interested, but Rogar's trying to decide, is it food? <laughs> or are we, or, or is, well, I suppose you can't, we, none of us have anything to revive it. Um, Plus, I mean, the, they've still been dead for like a thousand years. Like, you're talking true resurrection. I think it has a limit of a thousand years, and that's a night level spell. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you had to speak with dead, he's intact enough to do that, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't have that either. No. Um, no. Uh, so, hmm. But, oh, we'll have crap on him, though. Um, what we hmm. could do, if he becomes hostile, we could always come back. We could rest up and then go and visit. Well, I mean, if it's a ghost, yeah, there's... A, the, the, thing with it, the thing with him being a ghost is obviously ghosts can pass through walls and shit. Um, but I can't see that it randomly will attack us, but as long as we've still got people taking a watch every now and again, then we can all get our long rest in. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We're, you know, we're not leaving. We're not going to leave this house and the the uh, ghosts of it, but have been and gone again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, leave it where it is. Um, but we know it's there, so we'll come yeah. back to it after our long rest. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, okay. Is that so? Yeah, that's well, yeah. We're leaving that be for now. Okay. So you just uh, you walk away from the the freezer room for now. Um, Upstairs, as you explore, upstairs has taken most of the damage. You don't really find anything overly usable up there. There is one room that's a little bit intact that wouldn't be too bad to rest in because it's a little bit more secluded, but 
-hmm. If you're taking your long rest, then that's what we can uh, do next. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. and we'll, we'll rotate the watch between the fours as well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, all, th all four of you sort of uh, get ready to sleep. I mean, Iraq looks worse for wear, so he pretty much instantly falls asleep. Um, who's who's taking watch first? Um, toss up between you and me, mate. Um, I'm not quite sure. Do you want to do a quick roll off? Well, just I'll see who rolls higher. And... Yeah, exactly. Just to do a d20, and whoever rolls the lowest does first watch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that would be me then at an eight. Yep. Uh, so Rogo will take first watch. <laughs> I like to imagine that in character, you guys just did like rock paper scissors and Rogo yes. lost. Yes. Yes. That's yes. what I was thinking. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> It's a rack off in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rogar, you're uh, you're taking watch. I mean, this house seems relatively secure, so it's it's not too bad of a watch. It's quite peaceful as you're sort of sat there, trying to rest up a little bit. And what I was going to do here was, I'm just interested. So, what what's Rogar kind of feeling and thinking about at the moment? I mean, this has been an odd experience from start to finish, and I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in terms of what you're thinking, but I think Sarnath has proved the most difficult challenge so far. Yes. What's what's kind of going through your head at the moment? The, to be fair, there's quite a lot going through Rogar's head. Um, he feels probably, I would suggest, slightly more comfortable in the Dreamlands than maybe in the actual physical plane. Um, just because he seems to be a bit more... He doesn't know truly know what he is at the minute. Mm. And he seems to be slightly more accepted here. Hmm. Um, but, it, you know, in terms of what's actually going on in, you know, in Sarnath, he's, he, thinks he, has an, he thinks he has a plan. But uh, as we tend to find out, Rogar's plans don't always come to fruition. <laughs> um, That's true. You know, uh, and, you know, he, he, again, he's not sure how this is, you know, how this is, you know, aiding what he's actually in the dreamlands to do, which Obviously, to get people to help, you know, help get followers and help call in the, in the physical plane. So he knows, you know, he's he's helping Meatbone out because Meatbone tends to have helped helped him a bit, you know. And then Varys has come along, and you know, and it, it, Varys, you know, he, he's here to help, you know, or here to find, or is it, um, you know, the the new guy? Is it Meatbone? He doesn't know. So you know, but he feels. He, he's, he feels more comfortable with, you know, the the ghouls around him, because that's kind of, that's what he was looking for when he went mm. and went looking for these people. Just that bit of comfort with something that's a little familiar to him, and they seem, you know, accepting the other way as well. Yeah, I'll say like you've not, at least from the ghouls, at the very least, no one's been kind of horrified by your appearance. You've not been treated differently. I mean. You assume, like, uh, especially Iraq, as he seems to be some sort of military imperialistic ghoul. Maybe you wouldn't, uh, I don't know, cut the the ghoul mustard sort of thing. But he doesn't seem to have taken a dislike to you or think that you're any lesser of a ghoul. At least he hasn't yeah. indicated as such. So you're yeah, feeling a yeah. little bit more uh, more uh, familiar, familiar, familial ties, if I can say the word yeah. properly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, seen it just now, you know. The ghouls aren't right. they're you know accepting of what he is, whereas Barris was straight away like, I want to keep your helmet on, mate, type <laughs> of thing. And it's you know, but it, that's that's kind of why he was looking for these people. Hmm. So, you know, uh, I'm feeling I don't I don't want to say happy because obviously we're not in a happy place, and you know, 
under the effects of whatever's here. But at least he's clinging on to the fact that he has this, like, that he's never really, that he's not really had before. Because, I mean, even, even in the physical plane, he's always been, you know, not looked at as uh, favorably. Hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if we think uh, if we think about what Rogar's been through over the last, let's say, month or so, you've been kind of thrown through a loop. I mean, you had one thing on your mind for so long, and now that's and resolved, at least to a certain degree, at least as far as you feel you can do anything about it. And now you're you're starting out on a new path, and you've not quite found your footing on that perfectly yet. This was kind of the the opening, laying the foundation. Yeah. And whenever you kind of do something new, it, it takes a little while to get used to it. And like you say, you, you kind of, you don't have a lot of those ties you used to have. Because I mean, if we look, if we look way back, I mean, Rogar, Rogar was a family man. Like he had strong ties with his father, his uncle, his clan, like people he grew up with, trained with. I mean, I don't even think you've really gone into this, but saying maybe you had love interests, maybe even you were thinking about kids, I mean, but you've not... I mean, you've certainly not told Tommy and Sophia about it. You wouldn't probably mention things like that to Varys. But a lot of what you once were is is dead. And the man you are now, I don't know if you'd even recognize what you used to be. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I say that, you know, he, he, that, that again, that almost plays into, you know, Rogar's head again. You know, if, if he were to, you know, return to what his home used to be, you know, would he be accepted as what he is now? And he doesn't feel as he would. He's almost losing that tie there, mm. you know, and losing that that feeling of, well, that's what I am, and this is me. I'm. He's now something completely different because he doesn't he doesn't know exactly what he is because he's not he isn't ghoul, he isn't dragonborn, he doesn't know. So, but he feels, you know, he feels these familial ties, as you say, to to the ghouls not so much to what he used to be and to where he came from. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. And I'll say, as you're kind of pondering these thoughts, your watch kind of goes by without any particular incident. I'd say Erok would get up next because he, though he almost passed out in terms of falling asleep, he's only just met you people. He doesn't overly trust you. So you imagine he was probably sleeping as lightly as he could. And he got up and he'll sit down next to you as you're about to sort of swap over. But, uh, before you drift off to sleep, he will turn to you and goes, I didn't ask what brought you here. The city's nothing but a graveyard. We had a purpose. We wouldn't we didn't realize just how bad it was, but why are you and your friends here? Uh simply put, we're here to uh well, we're here to help, really. You know, um I'm my friend meet here said he was coming to try and find you try and find the legion you know and um you know i thought well i I, you know i want to i want to help i want to help people like yourselves find a place where they belong find a find a new city to take over or even set one up uh, from scratch of your own i want to i want to be not necessarily a leader of you people but you know i want to i want to help in any way that i can and uh you know if if it so works out that, um, you know, one or many of you fancy joining me on the physical plane at some point, then, you know, I can I can help you there. I can help you find homes there. So, you know, join me in, in the following the crawling chaos. He sort of, he stares at you for a moment. You realize he's got these kind of rust-colored eyes and they don't, he doesn't blink a lot. He's kind of giving you that 
penetrating look of eyeing you up and trying to see just the sort of person you are. And after a moment, he goes, you're not particularly familiar with the Empire, are you? Not, not really, no. Uh, I know what Meat has told me. <sighs> well, expansion is certainly on their minds. You're not wrong there. You see, the lands below the surface are vast, nigh on infinite, but they're also dangerous. We carved out our home in the underworld long ago. The Carrion Empire was forged out of all the ghoulish tribes that were sick of being crushed under the feet of monsters. <sighs> Some would say we became monsters of our own, but I always like to think that we are simply making our way in this world. We grew stronger, we grew powerful, and we started turning our eyes onto other areas. Why should we only stay down in the dark when there's so much appear to take part of? <sighs> Unfortunately, this first little expedition hasn't gone as well as we'd hoped. Frankly, I was expecting these lands to be quite easy. <sighs> first of many victories, something to, some sort of medal to pin on my breastplate, but <sighs> I lost everything. It's a shame. Others will come after me. They'll take other lands. But this one, this one I was hoping would make me maybe get a legion of my own branch out. The material plane, you say? I've been there when I was younger. We all make excursions up there. I'm sure your little friend has. Taking the bodies out of graveyards on our little hunts to explore until you start making your way in the legions. You're given quite free reign to hunt, but I don't know. I never considered it as a opportunity to conquer. Tell me, what's the material plane like nowadays? It's been a good 60, 70 years since I've been there. Well, maybe it's time you uh, you visit it again, and uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe you fancy leave, you know, leading your own legion up there with me, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be honest, I don't think there's much left here for me. I want to get out of this damnable city. <sighs> if I can get any manner of revenge or reclaiming some honor of my dead, of my dead men, that'd please me, but I don't know. I don't know what I can get out of a city of ghosts. If we can get out of here alive and in one piece, perhaps then we should speak about it. Hey. <laughs> Stick with me and I guarantee you'll get out of it. Put it that way. I might hold you to that. But for now, grab some rest. I'll keep an eye out for a while. Sounds good to me. And you kind of, you rotate round and eventually we come to Varus's watch. And I say Varus, you probably have the last watch of the night. You get uh, all your rest in first. And I mean, as you're sitting there, I am quite interested to know what's going on in Varus's head because you, you've had a strange couple of days in this place and it's been it's been dangerous you've been surrounded by death you've been surrounded by creatures you don't understand i mean you're only kind of just coming to grips that this is another plane of existence and you're not particularly au fait with such things i mean you're not a wizard you're not a sorcerer you're not someone who would likely consider jumping between the planes this is mm. your first time here i mean you, you're a little bit skilled in magic you picked up a trick here or two but 
you're always more of a military man than a uh, a sorcerer in training. I, I don't think that was ever what you kind of went into magic for. I, I I get the impression from you you picked up your uh, your skills as more of a way of defending yourself or launching a bit of extra damage. Something that you just had a bit of a knack for, perhaps. Yeah, it was like sort of like an extracurricular sort of training that they offered in the army. Mm. So, how, so how have you been finding Sarnath? This this place that is just it's it's just a giant graveyard. It is oozing death, and everything you found out about it seems worse than the last thing you found out. And you've been mm. affected by this this growing despair that just lays over everything. This is yeah. He's he's really confused. What's been going on? He's never experienced anything like it in his life. You know, he's been he's been to many places during you know during his time in the army, during his time leading his own band of sort of like revolutionaries. He's been fought in many places, but he's also learned for that to adapt to different situations. So as strange as the place may be, as horrifying as the sights he's seen, due to his military his experience and his training that he's had, he's able to sort of like push it to the back of his mind and sort of keep going and act, keep acting in a way it's more like it's like a self-defense sort of thing hmm. and he sort of kept going and plodding on but to say it obviously would be affecting him would be would be true i mean it's when you in the you know you do get respite in the military you do get times obviously you are surrounded a lot of times in by death but there's obviously you know you're surrounded by your comrades you're surrounded by you get you can get away from it but in Sarnath, there's no break from the death and the despair and the constant like horror that is the place. And obviously, that the weight of that is starting to sort of like will eventually it's eventually it's getting it's starting to get to get to Varys. But at the same time, he obviously he's still thinking about his comrades that he lost due to the fact that how he's he's in the situations in now thanks to obviously a plan that's gone wrong, as far as he's aware. Um, he obviously he still wants to get his own back on the person that put him in this situation, but he obviously he's heard voices in the past saying, save me, Captain, and Captain was his rank in the army. So he's thinking, is are people here? He was sort of like back in the back of his head, maybe if he gets a chance, if he can save his comrades, he could do that while he's here. And at the same time, he's sort of like, he's, he's with Rogar, he's with Meatbone, who he obviously never, I don't, I don't think um, Varys will have met a ghoul, Obviously, would he? No, and I don't think you have any particular experience of dealing with undead creatures back on the material plane. So, I mean, this no. is probably the first you've ever really experienced both these undead constructs, these monstrous beings that keep returning to life. I mean, the first time you've probably seen ghosts, and yeah, this is the first time you've seen ghouls. I mean, I assume this is all just very, very new and very confusing for you. This is it. I mean, obviously. Well, Varys will have heard of ghouls, won't he? But um... yeah, like they are—they're known well enough as like graveyard scavengers. Like on the material plane, yeah. you don't tend to see them very often. Like you'll see like a few in a little pack might raid a tomb to steal food. But yeah, this in this place, they seem to have a, more of a society, more of a uh, an impact than you probably would have ever realized. Well, this is it. I mean, he knows very little of the ghouls, only what he's heard, and obviously, this is the first time he's met a. I go face to face, and a Rogar, a sort of like half breed, such is ghoul, and he's found like a newfound respect for them because, especially Meatbone, because Meatbone comes across he's an obvious, he's not, he comes across as sort of like what's the word? Not adapt at battle, 
but he's there and he's trying and he's fighting with all he's got. And Varys sees that in him and he's like, he's got, he might not do the biggest amount of damage. He might not have the biggest effect on the battlefield, but he's trying his hardest to protect Rogar himself. And because he's allied with Varys, with him as well, he's throwing himself on the line to save Varys' neck in effect. And he's getting a, he's got a huge amount of respect for Meatbone for that because he can see he's not the most equipped. He's not the most hardened battler. He's not, you know, he's not adept at battle, but he's thrown himself in there anyway. And he's, it just shows he, you know, he's like, he's a brave little fucker, isn't he? You know, it's, it's just one of them things. I think mean, Rogar, he's really impressed with how powerful and how easily he can deal with these sorts of situations. And he can see, obviously, if he was in the Varadin army, you'd obviously be high up there, higher than even what Varys was. And he knows that Rogar is someone not to be crossed. And he also respects Rogar in a way that it's like, you know, he, he, get, he would get us out, in a, out of a pinch. He's highly skilled and he knows what he's doing. Even if he was a little bit put off by his appearance, but, you know, he knows himself, you know, being a half-elf, being surrounded by a society of mostly human, that appearances aren't everything. And, yeah, it, it, obviously, you know, being a half-elf, being, being trained as an Eldridge knight, he's got powers that a lot of people might not be able to see. Hmm. Well, it must be, it must be interesting, this, because you guys are you kind of forging some sort of bond through the fires of combat. You've both been thrown into a, a horrible situation. And I, I must think it must be interesting for Varys, because like I say, like a lot of this to you would be unnerving and unnatural. But although you maybe you're not the best of friends with Rogar, because you're both fighting together. And I always, I think in my mind's eye, when Rogar fights, I kind of picture him being very mechanical and precise. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't fear a lot of things. He's always willing to kind of run once a fight starts, at the very least, he's always willing to run into that fight. At least that's yeah. what I've noticed over our campaign so far. So for Varys, you see these like horrifying zombies or skeletal creatures coming at you, and hey, maybe there is that that pang of fear of oh oh fuck. But then you see Rogar just sort of wade into it like it's just another day on the job, and I guess that helps steal you to a certain degree. I have to think. Yeah, he's, he's sort of like yeah, he's showing that he's you know he's. He's combat brave, if that mm. makes sense. He's uh, he's not scared to get stuck in, no matter what the threat is. If it's unknown, if it's if he knows what it is, whether he, he doesn't know what it is, it doesn't really matter. And again, that rubs off sort of Varys in a bit. So it's sort of like Varys is sort of used in the army. He was like because he taught himself, he got taught the average knight way, which is obviously combat battle magic. There's a bit more strategy involved, so you can all sort of hang back with the like the you know with his magic, or you can rush him with his with his steel, but. Um, in a way, he's sort of like seen how Rogar battles. Is like maybe you know maybe we could mix these things up a bit and sort of like come in with the magic and the attack sort of close combat together. And it's sort of like yeah, maybe Rogar's approach does work. Maybe it does work too. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's fun to see because I don't know whether you guys would have got on outside of this difficult situation. I don't know if Varys has even had chance to think about that as like a would I even want to know this person outside of this or you very kind of head down, look, we're in a horrible situation, but we're here together. Let's get through it. Mm, I think to begin with, obviously, when you saw, obviously, Rogar being, like, you know, eating things, as, you know, doing the ghoulish sort of thing, he was sort of like, mm, do I really want to associate? But, yeah, you know, you'll take allies where you can in a situation like this. But 
as time's gone on, sort of thing, Rogar's starting to show how dependable he is, and the fact that Rogar was able, was allowing him to obviously borrow some equipment off him shows that obviously Rogar so it shows a bit of trust in Varys. So maybe Varys should you know, obviously show trust the other way, and Varys is probably more open to Rogar now than he would have been when he first met him, just through obviously experience and time met, except time spent with him. Hmm. That's interesting. So, as you're kind of mulling over these thoughts, um, make me a perception check. Oh, yes. Perception? Mm, would that be a 17 or an 8? It'd be an 8. Eep. So, with an 8, you don't hear much, but there is a little sound that seems to crawl into your mind. And once again, just, just ever so faintly, you hear the save us, save us. And then it's gone as quickly as it came. Would I recognize any of the voices? Uh, from how faint that was, I'd say no. That was very like, you just, like, it's almost that moment where you think, oh, did I fall asleep? Did I dream that? Mm. But you kind of left a little unnerved, sat in the room as the only one awake. Yeah. I have a quick look around to see if I can see anybody in the house, you know, just from where I am. Mm. I wouldn't move. I'd just obviously, obviously, a good scan of the room. I will say you don't see anyone in the room. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, now, obviously, I've heard this before and nothing happened. Um, so I'll, 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 Varys will probably keep that to himself for the time being and just continue with his watch, unless that's towards the end of his watch. Yeah, this would be towards yeah. the end of your watch, like yeah. probably about 10 minutes away from him to wake everyone up. Yeah, I'll keep that to myself for now. And then as I wake everyone up, I'll just mention it like sort of in passing to Rogar. I did hear voices and voices that I've heard before, but it, it, it's almost like before they was addressing me as captain, which obviously was the role in Varys, what Varys had in the in, in the Varidin army. So I've mentioned that to Rogar again that I've heard the voices again, and I couldn't pinpoint where they were from. Well, as you're all waking he always up, mentions it. oh, go on, go on. I would like both of you to roll me a wisdom saving throw. Me, oh, was that a seventeen? That's a seventeen. I'm just putting all my spell slots back. Back to Max Health. Uh, roll me a wisdom saving throw. All right, okay. It's a 13. 13. Okay. Noted. So. Noted? <laughs> so, you all get up. You stretch your muscles out, do your morning prayers, get all good and ready. Are you going back down to um, see the body in the freezer? Yes. Yes. Because we said we was going to rest and then go back to it. Hmm. Okay. You go downstairs and you uh, get to the freezer, and that that shadowy spirit form is still just stood there, staring out of the uh, the window. And you realize as you go to the freezer, the door was locked, but locked from the outside. So for you, it's just easy. Like you just turn the handle, and it like chink unlocks. And as you pull the freezer door open. You can see on the inside, it is covered in scratch marks, seemingly from fingernails. And mm. the spirit is just stood there next to the mummified body. Now, do we get the body and pull it towards us to get it away? F- so in case that sp- the spirit does something, or do we just go up to it and check it? Um, uh, I'm thinking we pull it out of the freezer type thing, because I'm guessing it's going to be quite cold in there. Yeah, so do you want to grab an arm and I'll grab an arm and pull it together? Uh, yeah, let's go for that. Yep. And so you pull the uh, preserved body out of the uh, the uh, magically induced cold room. 
The spirit doesn't seem to do anything, just silently watches you like all the other spirits in Sarnath have done, apart from the uh, high priest. Yep. And you uh, pull the body out, and it's just lying there on the kitchen floor. Is he face up or face down? Uh, he would have been face down because he was like clawing at the door as he succumbed to the cold. So right. We'll what I think it. we should. Well, I was oh. going to say, if you flip him over, I'll have an attack action just in case. So if I, I for example, have my hand, my sword, my hand, like the hilt of my sword. So I'll like okay. Rogar, flip it over. I'll be ready to swipe if it moves. So we'll do that. We'll flip it over. All right. You flip it over, and he, yeah, he is a fully mummified-looking human. Like his his flesh has just all sort of dried up and got that kind of preserved sort of jerky look to it. Um, he say he's more intact than any uh, Sarnath resident you've seen up until now. And you presume the the magic of the uh, cold room has done that for him, but he is most definitely very, very dead and very, very old. Can I eat his face? You can indeed. Yeah. Before he does that, can I just do a quick perception check just to see if he's got any personal effects on him? Like, you know, any like. I would say his um his clothes are just rotten as hell. Like they are just nothing. So you don't really find anything on him. No worries. Um so Rogar, you eat his face. Yeah. <laughs> and as you do, you're reminded of that moment in the tavern where you felt another's thoughts and memories starting to wash over you, and you close your eyes and let it happen. All of a sudden, you're somewhere else and you're someone else. You're walking around the top level of your luxurious mansion. You're still in your kind of underclothes at the moment because you're getting ready for the party tonight at the palace and you don't really want to be associating with the rabble outside as they do all their regular celebrations. No, that's that's not for you. So you're walking around and you're getting ready and you're sitting down at your study and you're looking over the, your invitation with a sly little smile because you know this is going to be one hell of a party. See, the king has promised just a a wonderful time because he's going to let you all see something special. Something that, according to him, hasn't seen the light of day in a thousand years. So, well, today's the day. Let's gather the people who truly matter in the city to come and look upon Sarnath's crowning glory. He was telling you in a private conversation a few days ago that long ago, back when Sarnath destroyed those disgusting frogmen. <laughs> they were just terrible creatures. When you finally rid the lands of them, his predecessor, the king back then, ordered that their famed idol be taken from those lands and be put on display in the great city of Sarnath. But it seems that the king was a little bit displeased. Originally, the idol had been placed in the temple, and though that's what the people wanted, that's what the church wanted, he wasn't happy about such things. So, the great king at the time arranged for the idol to be taken one night. Now, the current king assured you that his family had absolutely nothing to do with the poor high priest who lost his life that very same night. No, 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 that was just coincidence. Unfortunate, but now they bred rumors, horrible rumors that those disgusting frog people were still out and about and they were taking their revenge. No, 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 no. The king the king back then knew that that idol was special and it deserved a special place in the city and only the most elite, the truly royal and the noble should be able to look upon it and 
hold it as their prized jewel. The king told you that his predecessor locked it away in a vault underneath the palace. And tonight, at the party, he's going to let you all see it. Of course, first he has to go down to the city center and give some sort of speech. And you think, and you look through the window at the sky, and you think, ah, it's coming up to midday. That speech is probably happening right now. Though, slightly odd, you kind of rub your fingers through the air. Feels, feels damp. Very damp today, huh? Very distasteful. He hopes it's... You hope that it's not going to rain on today of all days, but how oh, the sun's shining, it should be fine. You decide to go down for a, a quick snack. You walk past some of the servants going about their duties. You don't need them right now, so why pay attention to them? You go to the kitchen and you head into the uh, the freezer to grab something. That dampness is everywhere. Even in this cold room, that doesn't even make sense. How can it be damp in here? Ugh. Maybe maybe the magic sigils aren't working properly. You'll have to get someone to look at that. And just as you're reaching for a snack, you hear the door slam. You turn around, wondering what's going on. You walk over to the window and you see one of the servants. I think I think it's a cook. It's hard to pay attention to all these damn people. And he's just staring. His eyes are completely bloodshot. You see veins like popping out of the side of his temples. And he's staring daggers at you through the window. You can't open the door from the inside. You you bang on it, you yell at him, you scream at him orders that he should he should let you out. Damn it! This is your house. What the hell does he think he's playing at? But he doesn't. He just stands there staring at you. Eventually you start to panic. The cold in here is quite terrible. And you start raking your fingers across the door, eventually even starting to wear away at the metal of the inside. But it's not good enough. And in time, you collapse all the while with that cook just staring at you with just hate in its eyes. Absolute hate. You don't know what you ever did to this man to anger him so. What what could you have done? What could anyone have done to cause such absolute, terrifying, dark anger to bleed out of those eyes? And that's your last thought as you slip into darkness. And Rogue, are you up in your eyes and you're returned? Varys <laughs> <laughs> just stared, like, his head quickly turns to Rogue. I was like, what's happened? Well, Varys, you remember, uh, you, you, you remember the thing that we're, you know, we're looking for and uh, how, you know, said kings are. Uh, Greedy, greedy people. Yes, I remember. I know where yeah. it is. I know where it is. I know where it is. Do you, do you want to share? <laughs> oh. Gentlemen, looks like we're going to go be kings for a day. Varys slaps his hands and goes up like, right, so we've got a throne to piss on. I think with that revelation, we're going to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Looks like we can kill two birds with one stone. Yep, I'm hoping so. Oh, well, I hope you all enjoyed. Hope that was fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you finally, you're learning all the little secrets of Sarnath now, just what uh, went on back then. Yeah, yeah. And we also learn a little bit about Rogar and Varys, which is always nice. 
and he killed some zombies. So you know, we uh, we hit the trifecta of uh, a D and D session. We did, we did. It was good. Enjoyed yeah, it. cool. Well, I'm hoping uh, all of you at home enjoyed it as well. That was Gunpowder Treason No Plots. If you want to get in touch with any of us, I am on Twitter at, at @treasonno, and all my players are on there with their play names and GTMP at the end of it. If you want to listen to us on another podcast provider, we're on all of them. So wherever you want to find us, you can find us. And we also have a WordPress website and a Facebook account, both with Gunpowder Treason No Plots. So wherever you want to find us, we're, we're, we're not hard to find, to be honest. And I'll uh, turn it over to my co-host to say their goodbyes. As usual, if you've enjoyed hearing my voice as much as I enjoy hearing my own voice, you can find me on the Lost Art Podcasting and the Lost Art Wrestling Podcast. You can f- They're available on all good podcast providers. You can follow them on Twitter at Lost Art Podcast and at LOW Podcast. And maybe one day, I'll be in the Red Scar Cafe on Red Scar Business Estate in Preston, Lancashire, the UK, Europe for now. You can also find me on those amazing podcasts, but you can also find me on the UK RAD Live podcast. We're on all available podcast catchers out there, including iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher. But you can also find my old... Oh, yeah, sorry, I've not even said we're on Twitter yet. So we're on Twitter at UK RAD Podcast, and we're also on Facebook. But you can also find my other character from Gunpowder Trees and No Plot, Steve, on at Steve AOTGTMP on Twitter, and you can watch as he tends to rip, try to rip the piss out of Rogar and usually fail. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. I hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next week. Bye. See ya. TTFN. Greetings, soggy boys. Do you like water? Do you like mermaids? What about sea elves or reverse mermaids? If you do, come listen to On the Shoulder, a D&D podcast hosted by me. And then there's these other two people. They're pretty cool. Come on down to www.necropodicon.com. See you later. I see what you did there, see? It's good. I didn't mean to do that. Thank you to Sirenscape for some of the music and sound effects that you heard within this podcast. They do amazing atmosphere and music, so make sure to check them out at www.sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic music.